We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stéphane Lacoe. You can find me on Twitter at Stéphane Lacoe. And today I am joined by Kevin Coleman. You can find him on Twitter at Boys underscore 22 from the Debbie Royale. Kevin, how the hell are you today, man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. It's July. We're getting close to college football season, so like that's that's the fun part. We're starting to get into like the the dog days, but it's there. We had a little good Fourth of July, and now we're now we're diving into it. You know, and uh, it, it gets pretty tough out here for us uh, diehard football fans. But there's a lot of soccer going on right now, like yeah. the Gold Cup, and we've got the mm-hmm. Women's World Cup. So we've got a few things, and you know, <laughs> I uh, living in Colorado, I can bet on stuff. So that makes every sport just a little <laughs> bit more interesting. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I'm excited. Uh, how many of your, I don't know how many leagues you're in, but how many of your leagues are you guys already like starting some of your rookie drafts or your Debbie drafts? How, how are you kind of already into the thick of it? Beginning of so, July, and we're already drafting. Yeah, my dynasty leagues—they're pretty much almost done. Like we, we kind of hit those. Debbie and um, like the CTC leagues I'm in, and some of the CFF leagues I'm in, uh, we do it like July now. So I think part of it is to kind of get that, you know, like you know, we're bored. Like we were all right. Let's let's do some drafting and kind of get some names out there from the spring. So I still have like. I, I'm starting up like I have I'm in a CFF dynasty league that I, that I joined last year. We started up this weekend and then we got a few more that supplementals that are going. So like July is like the perfect time for it because everybody's not that busy. We're still able to kind of do it. And, and, and we get to kind of push out for the us non soccer fans out there. We get right. to have something <laughs> to look forward to in, in, in July. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm actually on the clock in a C to C league right now. Uh, yeah. I, got, I, I ended up getting Justice Haynes with like pick 10 in the first round. So nice. I was pretty happy about that. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, yeah, I'm already I'm already drafting in, in a bunch of leagues, but um, we're just crazy people drafting in July. But let's um, I just want to kind of talk about. Uh, kind of some of the stuff you guys do over at Debbie Royale. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about it. I know people can subscribe to your Patreon for super cheap, uh, like three bucks a month. Uh, tell us uh, what they can get if they uh, if they subscribe and uh, check out your YouTube channel and stuff. 
Yeah, you know, it's, you know, the, the WRL has always started as like a passion project. And, you know, for us, that's really what it is. So that's why we keep it cheap for everybody out there. And, you know, with our, with, with your subscription, you know, for three bucks, you get the discord that we have. That's pretty active. We got some crazy degenerates in there. Um, and we have, so the big two things is we do something called the college football manifesto and we're doing this giant update right now on it. But essentially, it's a 400-page document. We go through every Power 5 depth chart. We, we space it out, what you're looking at there, uh, fantasy points per game. We talk about you know player spotlights. So we actually have over 120 player spotlights in the new update coming out that we write ourselves. We do like position battles in February, um, and we update those. And then we do best bets. So for our bettors out there, as, as the season comes closer, we add a, a betting section. Um, and you get that every update for just 3 bucks one time, so in terms of like the Patreon. And then we also have... Have something we created this year called the Debbie Dynasty Rankings, and so this is where we ranked over you know 150 quarterbacks, 200 running backs, wide receivers, and then tight ends, but with dynasty players within Debbie, so you know what these guys are valued at. So you want to know where Marvin Harrison Jr. is at compared to Jalen Waddle? It's in there. But if you just want Debbie rankings, we actually have a sheet that I am way too dumb to create. So this is all Christian Williams who does all this stuff. We actually rank everything combined and it spits out our individual rankings for everything. So Debbie, Dynasty. So if you don't even play Debbie, but you like Dynasty, we have our rankings there. Um, and then we just um, uploaded a sub stack. So we're going to do some writings for everybody. So if you join the Patreon, you get a free subscription for life until you leave it um, for any anything that we write. And I just dropped a, um, the riskiest Debbie quarterbacks to roster. And I kind of did a breakdown of nine guys and I compared what you could trade for them. If you're going to hold them, sell them or buy them right now. Um, and so you, you get all of that plus little things that we do. We do a weekly podcast. Um, Christian drops his projections in there. Jay has his analytical profile. So all that for three bucks a month. That's, that's it. That's awesome. I love it. Um, that is a lot of work right there. And you know what? <laughs> I love talking to fellow nerds. I'm just going to say it <laughs> like, um, yes. it's, it's always good. Like when, pe- when you hear people talk about some of the stuff they get into, I'm like, Oh, I love it. It's, uh, it's fun. Especially when we get so much uncommon quick question though, regarding your, uh, quarterback article that just dropped, give me just maybe a name that would surprise people on that list that maybe is a little riskier than people think. Uh, and then we'll jump into kind of your approach or our approach to, to Debbie. And then we're going to get into some wide receiver specific discussion. But before all that, uh, a quarterback that maybe surprised us a little bit. You know, I put, um, I put K club Nick on there. So I, I mean, oh, that no. might surprise. <laughs> I mean, so I like Kay, I have I so he, much. I have so <laughs> much Kate club Nick. I said, he's a hold uh, for me, you know, when I was looking at just in general, but I think the, the reality is like for Cade, he's got to really improve that decision-making and pocket awareness. Like you saw the two interceptions in the spring. You saw some of that happen last year and he's a smaller guy. He like 195. They said he put some time in the weight room. Now I expect big things with him in Riley's offense. So I do think he can, he can definitely be on there, but I don't think like he's a for sure gone like in that 25 class, which has a ton of question marks at the quarterback position. Like he's really, he's got to take that next step. Like he, he's not just a full blown, Hey, five-star kids going to step in and he can be the number one guy. Um, he's got some stuff to improve, but luckily for everybody out there, Dabo finally listened and got himself an offensive coordinator that can develop some offense out there. So he'd be much more riskier. I think without that, without Riley being there now that Riley's there, I think it limits the risk a little bit, but that's one of the names on the, on the, on the sheet that I put down. Yeah, uh, Garrett Riley does change a lot for me yeah. because I was, I mean, I, I'm curious what would have happened if DJU got to play with Garrett Riley. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been fun to see. It would have been a little bit more uh, fair to see. Of course, now I'm hearing that uh, DJU is maybe not even going to be starting <laughs> at Oregon State. So uh, light all those Debbie shares on fire, I suppose. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of value there. 
Um, let's let's get into just talking about Devi uh, in general. Um, by now, people listening to the show have a pretty good understanding what that is. We get to roster de- developmental players, um, college players who then join our NFL teams once they are drafted or in the case of uh, yours truly, many of mine are undrafted free agents that find teams because sometimes I make bad calls. But what's your overall approach to Debbie Leagues? Um, and maybe even before that, why do you enjoy Debbie Leagues? What about it kind of uh, interests you? And why do you why, why is this something that you like to add when Dynasty is already so deep? I think for me, I just love college football. And so this was added, like I get to use my college football you know, knowledge a little bit and into my dynasty leagues. And plus we're degenerates. Like I love this stuff enough to where, you know, and I also like with my league mates, I want to be smarter than them. Like I want to be like, Hey, I hit this dude in the third round. You suck. Like that's part of fantasy. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, like, you know, that, that crap talking and that stuff. So, you know, really what it came into though, it, like anything, when I first got into this, um, my buddy who I went to college with, he was in with Debbie league and I'd never known what it was. And he messaged me. He's like, Hey, we have an orphan in our league. Would you like to do it? And I was like, what the hell is Debbie? And I had no idea <laughs> yeah. what it was like. And he told me, he's like, Oh, it's college, blah, blah, blah. So really I got into it because of friendship. Like I got into it because, you know, keeping me and my friends together, like fantasy kind of does, it keeps that kind of camaraderie with guys all over the country and stuff like that. Um, so that's really why I got into it. And then I just got hooked because, um, I think for me personally, like, I, I college football is my first love. Like I love college football. I love fantasy in the NFL side, but I just love like the pageantry. Like I'll never forget where I was watching the Rose Bowl um, in Texas, USC. Like that was my favorite game I've ever Me watched. I was in high school. That was, a, that was madness. Yeah. And, and I got that whole year, like I'm a Michigan fan, but like for me, I was a huge Vince Young fan. I loved Vince Young. I loved everything about him. And for him to kind of take down USC and people don't understand USC was a juggernaut. Like they were, there was no way they should have lost that game. But Vince Young single handedly took that game and just kind of won it. For me, that solidified my college football fandom. And then this has turned into like, oh, I can do this and kind of and, and understand like players. And I love scouting and doing all that stuff. So like, really, it was just a combination of everything that I loved into a format that I really like. And plus, I think it's less in- invasive too in terms of like you don't really have to do college fantasy because that could be a whole nother like I, I don't even oh, know a whole like, nother beast. Those dudes that do like the CFF stuff are crazy because like to me, I'm like, man, I'm way overwhelmed and I love college football. Those guys are a different level. And this just adds that little bit of extra like you can still have some fun college football, do that stuff and a little bit of value and a little bit of it's a little harder, but it's not crazy to where you have to worry about like Akron's running back room. Like I don't need to worry about that. I can focus on Alabama's running back room. Um, And that's really where it came from. Just falling in love for college football. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I enjoy the additional strategy that comes with mm-hmm. it too. One of the things that you do on your YouTube channel that I'd really appreciate um, is tr- try to give the listener or the watcher um, some information on like how can you compare a Debbie asset to an NFL yeah. player. And and stuff like that I think is really fun because it adds a, a le- level of game, gamesmanship. It adds like more trading, uh, essentially, hopefully, and even another draft. So it's just more of all the things that we love. And so to me, it's a, it's a good thing. What's your overall approach to Debbie Leagues? How do you view your Debbie roster? Are you, is it league specific? Are you always entering kind of with the same strategy? I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on it because we all approach it a little bit differently. 
you know, my, my approaches have really shifted. So I like this question because when I first started, I, I tried to do it like a true minor league team. Like, all right, these guys are coming up on my NFL roster. I can't wait for Zeke to be there. Like, um, and, and I, and that's kind of how I approached it early on now that like, and I think you could, because I do think back like, man, we're getting old, but like a few, like 10 years ago, eight years ago in that area, like there wasn't a lot of stuff out there for these formats. So you could still find diamonds in the rough. You could still like add people in your supplemental drafts. Like there was, there's times for that. Now that like people are getting more educated, there's newer stuff out there for people. My approach has shifted to like peer value drafting. So like, I just look for the positions that people are going to want. And I really try to win it on the NFL side. So like, I will take a justice Haynes who I know is going to probably accumulate value in that first round. Like you mentioned him earlier, but I probably won't finish with Justin Haynes on my roster by the time he, he comes out. Like I will, I will move and try to retool. So like I essentially have gone from standard taxi gun. Oh, this guy's filling this spot. So now I'm like, Oh no, that dude's going to fill me a Nick Chubb on the NFL side. So I can go try to win it. And that's kind of how I've done that. And, and over time, that's a, it's my, just my, you know, my, my approach has changed too with really smart Debbie managers that I have in leagues. They're not even analysts. Cause you know, some of the best Debbie people are not analysts. They're just dudes that love it. And that's what they've done. Like for a long time, they just accumulate picks and they, and they just try to, you know, trade assets and they're very active. And I always watch them. I'm like, man, they're building juggernauts on that NFL side. Cause when you get in the Debbie, everybody wants the young pieces and yep. they forget that the NFL side is the one that matters. Um, and I will thank a lot of the people that like play campus again and CFF because they've people go into it with that kind of a mindset and it helps you because you're like, Oh yeah, this guy's a stud in college. Go get Blake Corum. Give me, give me that guy like that, that stud running back in the NFL. And they'll do it if they're young at the format. Cause they don't understand like, eh, Blake Corum might not get that draft capital that you like. And so, um, and that's how you kind of manipulate the market. So essentially it, I, that's how I do it. I manipulate the market and I, I trade a lot of guys like, and that's the part that you have to really love about if you're not a good trader or if you're not someone that wants to be active, Debbie might not be for you because you can't just sit and hold those assets. Cause I think it's like a 50% hit rate. We've done some of the numbers and looked at it and that's even like high end, I would say probably 25% hit rate on a lot of these guys. Um, so if that's the case then you got to move them off your roster. Oh yeah. I, I love that take because I, I think about guys who let's just use this recent draft class with tank Bigsby and mm -hmm. Zach Evans guys who coming in, we were super excited about and tank Bigsby put up that, great freshman year and we were really excited about it. and then all of a sudden uh people have been holding on to him for a long long time yeah. and he's uh who knows what he's uh, gonna be in in jacksonville so when when you're kind of evaluating and this if it's a player by player thing for you you can tell me that but is there kind of a time frame where you feel a player makes the the biggest jump in value do you recommend doing it after that breakout freshman year do you like to wait until right before the nfl draft right after the nfl draft is there a time where you kind of can maximize that value so there's two things that I like to look at. So um, I would say freshman running backs usually hit their value in the second year. So that sophomore year. So you see Travion Henderson was getting drafted ahead of Bijan sometimes in, in some Debbie drafts last year. Um, so I, th I do think that wide receivers – Freshman wide receivers and running backs, the value definitely kind of peaks their sophomore year. Now, there's always outliers. Like, but think about it. Kayshawn Boutte, who everybody was drafting as kind of that guy two years ago, you moved him then. You could have got a legitimate top 10 piece on the NFL side. Now he's barely making the roster on the Patriots. So, like, I think that sophomore year is really, really um, league dependent, but I think that's, that's a good area to kind of move off of some guys. I will say, too, though, before the NFL draft, the Senior Bowl is my friend. I love the senior bowl because these guys go That's to the great. senior bowl yeah, yeah. 
and they get some love out there and you're like, man, I've, I've had him on my roster. He's not that good. I know that he's like, he's struggling. And then someone will believe in him. There's always those dudes that they go to the senior bowl and then they kind of hit that draft stock and then you can kind of move them. So I think there's two really big ones. And then you know how it is too. Those people that don't necessarily, they can play Debbie, but they're not in college football. Like they watch it, but they're, they're kind of casuals, which is totally fine. Those big games matter too. So, you know, the college football playoffs, the the SEC title, game. like there's little like ways that you can manipulate the market when these guys go off and they're actually on TV and people are watching them, you know, and they're not like us streaming from some illegal site watching like Hawaii at 10 o'clock. Couldn't night. be like, me. Couldn't be yeah, me. <laughs> uh-huh. Like they're, they're, they're there and they're seeing them. So like, I think there's like little manipulations in the market too, within your leagues. Um, but big overarching themes to me have always been that, um, also like, I also tend not to, and we'll probably get into this, but the freshman quarterbacks get overvalued really heavy the first year. And then there's a, there's a buy market the second year. Like Arch Manning is going to be a fun buy next year when he doesn't play and people forget about him. And Dylan Rayola, who's going to Georgia is now the hot new thing. You could get Arch probably like the sixth, seventh round next year. Like Malachi, you know, if he doesn't play behind Caleb Williams this year, and then there's rumors that maybe Miller Moss will win the job or whatever. Like, so there's also buy opportunities where you can go get some of these guys, the, you know, the running backs that Jam Miller from Alabama is a good example. He was really, some people's like one running back two last year doesn't really play at Alabama because, you know, you don't play at Alabama right away as a true freshman running back. Maybe Justice Haynes was trying to buck that trend with Tommy Reese being there. Um, but Jam's a perfect buy right now because everybody's forgotten about him. So there's like little like areas of like, oh, I can go get these guys now because their value definitely dipped. And then, oh, okay, now now's the time to kind of sell. So when you figure out what that market is in your league, that's important to note because it, it, it is also league dependent, how, how active your league is. Yeah, I, I really like all of that. I think that's a very good approach. And I think it's different than what um, a lot of people are thinking. I, I think one area where I'm a little bit different is if someone, if it's a, a receiver that kind of has a breakout sophomore year is entering his junior year and is somehow mm-hmm. uh, managed to escape being drafted already. Uh, I think about a guy, uh, maybe like a, a Rome Odunze uh, mm-hmm. this year who, you know, not many people rostered him in Debbie last year, but now all of a sudden um, I could see him not just as being someone that I draft to trade, but man, he might be someone that that's worth holding on to because he might get that uh, early mm-hmm. day two capital. I see people taking him um, or projecting him to go in the first round in the NFL draft. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Rome later, but uh, uh, that, that seems spicy to me, but it, it has put him on my radar a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I find myself drafting him because if I'm seeing this news, other people will be seeing it sooner than later, and then I can use it to my advantage. Um, how do you approach, we're going to be talking about wide receivers today. And before we jump into um, like player specifics, I'd love to just hear your approach to wide receiver um, in dynasty in general, and then also in Devi, because I think most of us have kind of pivoted to this belief that um, the best way to build out a dynasty roster is relying heavily on that wide receiver position because they can retain value for so much longer. So I'd love to hear your approach to wide receiver. Are you zigging while we zag? Are you still zigging? I don't know what zigging and zagging is in this, (laughs) but uh, go ahead and uh, break it down for me. You know, I'm so mad because we used to be able to build through wide receivers without anybody noticing, man. Like we, we used to be able to get some of these good wide receivers while other people are drafting Chuba Hubbard at the 104. Remember, oh man, uh, Max Borgie at the 105. Like oh I remember, 
these things I, happen. I, it was never me. I don't know if you can see. I'm wearing my Oregon hat today. Yeah. So Max Borgie never was on a roster. <laughs> but he, but he was like I was in a big analyst league that I that I was in. But the heavy Debbie guys, and I remember I got Jamar Chase at 106, and I'll never forget Max Borgie went at 105, and I was like, man. So like there, so we have seen a shift now. I will say this though, when I was going through, um, we had a recent draft that I did a 10 round startup. When you're looking at the running backs, you know we only had two wide receivers taken or three wide receivers taken in the first round and we did have five running backs go in the first round so like i think that there's elite um running backs going in that first round but then there's so many good wide receivers after that so i like to grab if i can grab a legit running back travion singleton if judkins is in there for you in the first i don't mind waiting because of the talent level in that second round for some of these wide receivers but yeah i mean i like to build through wide receivers i like marvin harrison jr for me obviously is the gold standard um right now but after that like there are some very good second round guys evan stewart from texas a&m zachariah branch going to usc so building through there because they hold their value much longer and they they actually perform very they perform their freshman year which when when guys in Debbie see that oh wait they're performing their value automatically goes up because they're on the field so we see that pretty pretty heavily too um and then because of the way that dynasty managers are building their rosters they are more what i have seen i don't know if in your leagues like this but they are more willing to trade for wide receivers in debbie than running backs i think they're spooked on the running backs so you don't get the value that you necessarily want to get um, but wide receivers still hold it because that's the new trend right the dynasty area is in there so you are seeing that i will say the one trend that i'm starting to see though is because people are really going after running back or wide receivers excuse me in that second and third round some of these good running backs are you know falling down so like katrin allen from penn state he went at the 410 i got him at the 410 recently that's a pretty good value for katrin allen who's really good running back at penn state and so there is something that's going with the zagging part i think the zagging part is that running back value has shifted down in the third and fourth round now 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 you're starting to see some guys that maybe could they get that day two capital think of kendra miller those guys that we've seen the last couple years you can really kind of get those guys if you know the profile that you're looking for yeah oh that that and i think that's a really good approach and it's it's tough too because so much of it is going to be um dependent on where you're drafting and, and and what the what it looks like but do you find um yourself if you're walking away from a debbie draft or if you're just looking at your team regardless um, i'm guessing i know the answer to this but when you're looking at your debbie assets I feel really shitty saying Debbie assets when I'm talking about college football human <laughs> beings. Um, but when you're looking at these these names on the screen, do you care what position is is listed there? Are you totally fine to have your entire Debbie roster uh, built out by all wide receivers if it if it so happens to be that position, um, or do you like to have a little bit of everything? Um, I you know for me. It really comes down to like trade for need, like they always talk about. So if I need a running back, I'm not going to reach on like Blake Corm, right? Like there's 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 really areas there. I would say the only position that to me matters a little bit maybe is quarterbacks. If you are like if you're looking at your quarterbacks, and I always try to stay away from Debbie quarterbacks, but if you got like you know two guys on the NFL side that you're really concerned about, like let's say you're starting Baker this year and you're just looking at your roster and you're like, man, my super flex league, I don't mind maybe taking 
taking a shot of like, you know, Arch or Nico or Jackson, one of those freshman guys in that fourth round. Or maybe if you have like a couple, you know, other picks where you have Jordan Travis sitting there in like the fifth round and you think maybe at Florida State he can break out this year. I don't mind doing that. But from just a straight, hey, I don't care what my my roster looks like because really it doesn't necessarily matter because I can just move them to other guys that need that position or want that position more. And then use your league mates like you should know your league mates tendencies, but I always use, you know how it is in Debbie Leagues. There's college fans in Debbie Leagues and those are my favorite because they fall in love with their guy. So you could take like Keon Coleman who's going to Florida State. If you find a Florida State fan, those dudes are crazy. They will give you some pretty damn good value for Keon Coleman right now. Like, so one other way to look at it too is like I actually have a spreadsheet of like my Debbie managers that I'm in and I put what their favorite college football team is. So I know like, okay, if I draft this guy, there's, there's going to be a willingness for him that increases their value. So there's a little gamemanship in this too. Like you got to know like what your league mates like and, and who they target and who their favorite team is. Like I'm a Michigan fan, so I don't have to worry about wide receivers. They didn't, no one, no one could trade me a Michigan wide receiver. <laughs> Get the hell out of me in life. Uh, there's no good ones, but like, you got to know, like, Hey, you can use that to your advantage. Cause I know I I'm in a lot of leagues with Michigan fans. Cause I'm a Michigan fan myself. They love Blake Corm. I will greatly trade Blake Corm to like one guy in one of my leagues thinks Blake Corm is Nick Chubb. He's told me this multiple times and I'm like, okay, buddy. Like if I wish I had Blake Corm cause I would ship <laughs> yeah. him off to you in a heartbeat. So I think there is part of that too. Like, yeah, you just draft based on value, but also knowing like, you know, who you can trade these people to is important because that sets you apart on the trade market. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm an Oregon fan. Don't try to trade me any Oregon players. I'm not <laughs> Troy interested. Franklin, baby. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Troy I mean, I love Troy, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get to him in a little bit here. You've mentioned Blake Quorum a couple of times now. Are you, uh, are you on our, on the podcast? We kind of have this uh, idea and understanding that Donovan Edwards is the more talented of the two backs. Do you yeah. agree or disagree with that take? I think, I think he's more talented in terms of like, NFL draft capital. Like if yeah. I had to pick which one is going to be better in Debbie, it's it's Donovan Edwards um, because his skill base, I think, is better than that. Um, as far as like college football, I think Blake's amazing. I love Blake. Blake is a, one of the best college football players at Michigan probably in the last 20 years from the running back position. Um, but if I'm projecting NFL, yeah, Donovan to me is easily the better NFL project. Yeah, that's that's kind of how we feel, too. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into uh, some wide receiver, wide receiver specifics. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. We are going to get into our wide receiver discussion. Uh, Kevin, you had a video um, on your channel a couple, I actually... Time is a flat circle. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> when it was, but you go, you go through your tiers. Um, yeah. And uh, let's just start up af- at the top. I don't think it's a su- surprise. You've mentioned him already. Um, I had a recent article come out on Rotoviz where I kind of broke down uh, my top 20 wide receivers. So we can kind of compare and contrast and, and see where we're at. But our tier one, we have exactly the same. It's only one player. It's Marvin Harrison Jr., um, I will allow you to talk a little bit about Marvin Harrison Jr. and why he is all alone in tier one for you. Yeah, I mean, Marvin's special, right? Like when you're looking at what Marvin's been able to do, um, I think for me, I think the big thing was this dude came in and put on like, what, 20, 25 pounds from his, fre- from his freshman year to sophomore year. That's what you saw last year, 6'4", 205. Um, the big things I highlight, ball skills, size, footwork. I mean, he has, obviously he's got good footwork. His dad probably taught him. So like, there is that going on. Like when you watch him off the line, there's really nothing he can't do. Um, when you're looking at all the metrics, so like experience adjusted receiving yards per team pass attempt, he's right up there with Jamar Chase was as a sophomore. And if you think of Jamar Chase as a prospect, he is right there. And he's ahead of Justin Jefferson already as a prospect. Um, weighted dominator rating. Again, he's ahead of both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So when you're looking at the analytical profile, and I'm not a big analyst guy, but I, I do kind of look at the the big ones. He fits that 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 you know measurables, and then from just a film, he's just a dog, man. Like I, 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 he just goes up. He's gonna he's gonna be a top five. I would be shocked if he's not a top five NFL draft pick. So when you're looking at like it's hard to say can't miss Debbie prospect, but this dude is about as can't miss as you possibly can can hit here with everything that he does. I I think he has elite speed, enough speed. I don't think that that I see some people kind of talk about that. I, I still think he can do it. Um, the only thing they talk about is he needs to learn a, a coverages a little bit better, how to kind of fit between zone and man, which that's just something that he'll learn. But no, he's he's pretty much a can't miss guy. He's a tier of himself for sure. Right. And outside of injury, I think the only um, concern I have is just the change in quarterback at Ohio yeah. State. Uh, Kyle McCord uh, coming in, um, maybe Devin Brown later, who knows. Uh, but again, I think even if the production dips a little bit, uh, firstly, there's so many weapons on Ohio State that I don't think we're worried about dominator ratings there. It just means something a no. little bit different now. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't imagine even if his – I mean, JSN hardly played last year, and he still got <laughs> drafted high. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, will be right there as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is a slam dunk uh, tier one. How big of a drop is there from for you between tier one and tier two? It's uh, it's this one's tough. I think it's a um, I think that there is a significant drop because I think there's a lot of question marks after him. Like, I think that there's some guys in this tier that we're going to talk about that could definitely step up and be first round picks. So I, I think that's there. But as far as like elite level dynasty value talent, I think after Marvin Harrison, I think you're looking in like the wide receiver 20, kind of where Addison and Quentin Johnson are right now in, in dynasty ranks. So from a value perspective, there's a big tier break because I, I don't necessarily think you're getting like these guys jumping into that top 10 area. Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right. There, each of these guys we have questions about. Uh, you're kind of from here on out. Your tiers are 
uh, players like grouped in fours. Um, and I don't know if that was intentional or convenience. Um, I have mine kind of broken out um, based on how I value them. And, and part of what comes into that is how many years they have left before mm. they're draft eligible. So I kind of group the uh, upperclassmen and underclassmen together um, and, and tier it that way. Just That's just how I approach a draft. Uh, Branch is going to have a lot less value to me because he's further out. Um, but uh, that's a discussion for another time. Let's jump into <laughs> tier two. Um, I only have two guys in this one. I have uh, Emeka Egbuka and Xavier Worthy. Uh, you have both those guys, but you also include Evan Stewart and Luther Burden. Luther Burden's a guy I have ranked um, quite a bit lower. He's on the like number 10 for me. I'd love to hear you sell Luther Burden to me. Um, you can tell me some of the concerns you have, but I'd love to hear just a positive glowing report on why this Missouri wide receiver is uh, is safer than maybe I think. Or maybe it's not about safety. Maybe it's about upside. I won't put words in your mouth. He's he's an next Debo. Come on, we gotta we gotta yeah. get the. There's always an next Debo out there. No, I think yeah, I think with Luther, I think you're projecting a little bit here, right? Like I, I think it is a projection. I think um he hits the size metrics and the yak metrics. Like when you're looking at his ability to kind of they use him in different ways last year a little bit. Obviously the production wasn't necessarily there. 45 catches, 300 yards, but he did have six touchdowns. So that's why his dominator rating definitely hit. Um, I just, he, he's that person that when you watch him play, like you can tell that that is an NFL wide receiver, like size usage. He's got good athleticism. I think that he can test a little bit better than he, than he probably has. The problem is he plays in Missouri and I really wanted him to transfer. Like I really like of anybody this off season, I was like, Luther, just go to USC, buddy. Like, just please just go somewhere. Um, but I know that I think his grandfather went to Mizzou. So I think he does have like a uh, ties there, but just from a, like, just from a metric standpoint, like he hit the target market share at 20% touchdown market share was at 42% dominator at 28%. So when you're looking at the advanced stats, he definitely hits all of those metrics. It's Luther's going to be an interesting one because I don't necessarily think he's going to be able to produce amazing numbers that we're used to seeing at Missouri. That quarterback room is a mess right now. Like they have like four okay guys. Jake Garcia going to be starting? I mean, Jake probably. They they talked about it as a battle right now. Cook, Jake, and those guys. I think Jake should start if you're thinking of like, and you better hope that he maybe starts with Luther being there. I think the the biggest thing I think I was concerned about is Dominic Lovett outproduced him last year. And then he, but he transferred. So it's like, okay, well, yeah. he's not there anymore. So now it's really Luther's status there. So I think if he hits there, I think the 25 wide receiver class too has some, I wouldn't say question marks, but no one's really established themselves as the dude. So if he can maybe go in there and has a good season for Mizzou, I think you could be talking about him being that, like a top two of his class. Yeah. And, and the other guy kind of in this, in this class that you have in this tier uh, is Evan Stewart, Texas A&M. And, a really difficult offense to watch at times last year, <laughs> those Aggies. I mean, it was brutal. Oh, yes. uh, but they they also have brought in a new plate. Well, I don't know. We have, we got a new play caller, but we've got a new <laughs> offensive coordinator. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Hopefully a new play caller. But uh, Evan Stewart looks like he can be the man um, with, with uh, Atchain gone now to the mm-hmm. NFL. Different position, of course. Um, but that, that kind of frees up the offense a little bit, in my opinion, Connor Wegman, uh, I expect to take another step coming in as the starter after getting a little bit of work last year. Uh, I could see Evan Stewart kind of having a, a big year. There is still uh, Muhammad there. Who's a solid prospect. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Stewart? How can you kind of see 
um, a path for him to maybe get the uh, wide receiver one in this class. Dude, I love Evan Stewart. So I was an Evan Stewart wide receiver one guy last year going into it. And then there wasn't that many of us out there. We were we were barren out here in the Debbie space. It was always <laughs> Luther, Luther Burden, Luther Burden. And to me is Evan. You know, Evan reminds me of a smaller Jamar Chase. And I'll put that comp out there. Like, I, I really like everything that he can do. He's got good speed, hands. Like, when you're looking at his ability to have a good catch radius on the sideline. Um, he's, He made some catches last year against Alabama that were just stupid. Like, his ability to kind of go up and get it. Um, And even though he's one. 170 he doesn't play 170 and i think he can get up there in the weight a little bit um but also you know to our point of what we've seen in the nfl they're drafting these guys at 170 now because i think nfl offenses are shifting and we've seen that so like weight to me isn't that big of like a red flag anymore because we just saw zay go in the first round addison go in the first round like we've seen that now so i think he can get first round capital um the biggest thing i have circled for evan stewart is game changer this guy makes he just changes the game and when you watch college football there's only a certain number of athletes that you're like oh that dude he can change it. He can change this entire game by one play, one catch. Evan's that guy. I don't know if Luther's that guy. I think Luther can be a very good yak guy and kind of make things happen. But Evan, when he's on the field, defense has got to know where he is at. And he produced even last year with terrible quarterback play with Haynes King being out there and Johnson. And then when Connor did step in, you saw him really like, kind of like, you saw him target Evan a lot more towards the end of the year. Um, and I do think that's a good step. And I like Connor more than some, I think Connor has good accuracy and he can make every throw he needs to. If Petrino's calling the plays, I'm a little more happy. Like I, I'd be happy if, if he's going to call the plays. So like, that's something to know. Like if Bobby Petrino's out here, not on a motorcycle, he's out here calling the plays <laughs> and, and, and doing well. I think Evan can really elevate himself there evan's one of those guys that i don't think is going to be on texas a&m after this year i think he's going to transfer i think if they really struggle this year in terms of that offense or if if you know when you're looking at the, the coaching staff jimbo gets fired down there um i think evan could find himself on another roster somewhere and he, then his value is going to shoot up even more but the dude is just a game changer like he's just some way you're watching the you're watching the tape you're like this guy just got it. he has that it factor yeah and i think it's interesting too bringing up transfer and NIL and all that kind of stuff that that changes the landscape of college football so much mm -hmm. and it has to therefore impact how we view Devi players because yeah. uh, I, I remember being really kind of down on Jameer Gibbs because Georgia Tech was gross um, well I'm an idiot <laughs> he didn't stay there <laughs> he moved and uh, got really really great draft capital and I had zero shares so um, mm -hmm. I do think that's also important to remember. Uh, the two guys that I have in tier two are Emeka Ibuka from uh, Ohio State, who we mentioned uh, his teammate earlier, and then Xavier Worthy, who's another um, you know six foot, to six one, but but really slight frame dude, like one sixty five, one seven, like mm -hmm. tiny. Um, mm -hmm. These guys, I think, though, are uh, set for day one capital uh, when they uh, declare. I, I hope uh, next year as early. Uh, uh, declarees as juniors. Uh, what do you think on these two guys? Do you have them kind of uh, one or not one a, but two a and two B, or do you think that uh, the other two guys you just mentioned could out be more valuable than them long-term? Yeah, Emeka, man, Emeka is so tough for me. Um, Emeka is the one that like, I have him in that tier. I do have him as wide receiver two of that class. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like when I watch Emeka, he does everything well. 
Like, but he does it like when you're going and you're like, man, where, where's that extra separation? Where's that? Like, Hey, can you go up and get in contested catches? Like you don't see that. And then part of it is because that offense is just ridiculous. Like that offense just sets these guys up for success. So then when I try to think about like, all right, like, you know, is he really that good? Then you think about what Chris Olave did in that offense. And now Chris Olave is a top 14 guy too. And you're like, Oh, well, maybe that's just a Mecca, right? Good hands, good balance, versatile. Um, but yeah, I think there are some people out there that think a Mecca is pushing Marvin Harrison in terms from an analytical profile. And like, and I know he hits those metrics. Um, so I do think that it, I would, I'd be shocked if a Mecca wasn't a first round pick. Like he for sure is going to be in that category. Xavier's the tough one because like you said, he, 163 listed. You know, I hope he eats some burgers before the he weighs in at the combine next year. Because if you're listed at 163, like I man, you better you better get up there at least to 170. Um, but with Xavier, I think the yak and the footwork and explosiveness stuff is really what sets it apart. And like I mentioned earlier, if Zay Flowers is getting first round draft capital, how is Xavier Worthy not going to get first round draft capital? Because Xavier is, I think, a better prospect overall. Um, and I don't. People knock him for his drops. He had a broken hand last year that people didn't really know about until after the season. Like, yeah, he had a, that bad one in the in the bowl game um, that would have been a touchdown. But with a broken hand, I mean, come on. He's a wide receiver. He's gotten it out there. So I think both those guys could find themselves in there. And I think this is that tier for me. Like, okay, I, I'm comfortable drafting these guys. There's not a ton of question marks with this tier um, because I do think the draft capital is coming. Yeah, that's really good. I thought we had gotten to the point where we were like, Drops aren't that predictive. It doesn't mean that much. <laughs> I thought we had moved on, but I guess a lot of people haven't. Let's, well, it depends. Let's move on. It depends yeah, who you like. That's, like that's that's the the outlier. If it's someone yeah. you like, it's like, oh, that's not predictive. Like, don't worry. That's about. right. That's right. Uh, let's move on to tier three uh, for you here. And uh, we're going to start with a name that I have zero shares of, and I'm, I'm hating it already because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's going to be exciting. And that's uh, a Zachariah Branch. Um, and then you've got Golden Neighbors and Troy Franklin um, in this tier. Uh, my tier here is a little bit different. I've got uh, Malik Neighbors, Troy Franklin, and then a guy you've got much, much lower in Jacory Brooks. Uh, so a little bit of difference here, but I'd like to hear about Branch first and foremost. Uh, Travis, who uh, is not on the show today, obviously, my co-host, uh, he he loves Branch. He he says he, he could be the closest thing that we've seen to Tyreek Hill in a minute here. Um, tough comparison to live up to but what are your thoughts on branch do you think i mean you've got him number six you're high on him yeah. too uh i'm guessing you're excited so yeah i I've, i get worried about always calling small wide receivers tyree kill uh I but know. like <laughs> we, we've been doing it for i mean i do it too so it's not just travis or anybody out there i think branch for me like i think it was a combination of everything and then again with my do my rankings and my tiers and i was doing for the video i'm also looking at expected value so for me a lot of my tiers this is why I always try to like really preface this. Maybe we should have talked about the strategy. When you get Debbie rankings from different analysts, knowing what those rankings mean matter probably more than like, you know, like you talked about how you care about when they're coming out. That's going to dictate rankings a little bit different for me because I because I look at it from a value perspective. So like 
when I, when I talk to people all the time, I'm always like, Hey, Debbie rankings really don't matter until you, unless you know what they are, what they actually are. It's not like dynasty where it's like, this guy's going to produce and he's hold his value for three years. Well, no, sometimes Debbie's a little different. So knowing where that comes from. So branch's value to me is, Hey, he's in a USC system. That's going to elevate his, his profile. Cause he's going to get, he's just going to get targeted. And I think he's, he can be out there and be impact day one, um, from the spring stuff that I, that I've read and all the camp stuff. They love this kid already. He's going to return punts and kickoffs. I'm assuming right away. Um, and then you're going to get him into a system and with either Caleb Williams, Malachi Nelson, whoever's going to be there. Um, he's got the speed. I mean, speed is everything in college football. So his ability to kind of create separation in space is going to be probably, you know, better than anybody in this class, explosive, really good vertical threat in a vertical offense. So think of like, you know, people were so excited about Mario Williams a couple of years ago, and Mario hasn't panned out to what we some have expected. I wasn't ever really big high on Mario, but Branch is like probably ten times a better prospect than him in this offense. What he can do and accomplish, I think that's the exciting part. Um, and the biggest weakness he has is probably just his size. But again, he's actually built his frame's a lot different build than like Xavier. So at five ten one seventy two, when you look at Zachariah, like he's got he's he's a build. He's got muscle. He you know he's got muscle on that bill before he even got into college. So I do think he's going to get there. The one hesitation I would have with Branch, and we see this sometimes with high school kids, is like this is him. Like he's this is like his peak athletic ability was in high school because he was just dominating out there. Bishop Gorman is like you watch the tape, you're like, who is that dude? Like you're watching the defense, you know, just jump around him. So if he if it, if he's capped, then okay, this is what he is. But if he's not capped, this dude's got a ceiling that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, another guy like that that uh, we talk about a lot on the show is Barry and Brown, who we'll get to mm-hmm. um, in a little bit. But another guy that's just different out there when you're watching them against high school, <laughs> other high school players, which is really unfair. Uh, let's talk about uh, Malik Neighbors for a minute because uh, he kind of surprised a lot of people out producing Kayshawn Boutte last year yeah. um, at LSU, myself included. I was not high on Boutte, but I definitely didn't expect that to happen. So do you think Malik Neighbors can can repeat that? Do you think, I mean, again, he was a pretty great prospect in and of himself, like uh, as a recruit. So um, tell me a little bit about Neighbors and, and why you're excited about him. Yeah, I know that I don't want to make Travis mad because I, I don't want to besmirch Jaden Daniels here on the on the show. But Jaden Daniels needs to stop overthrowing Malik Neighbors. Like that's first and <laughs> foremost. Number one, like I think if Malik to me, like three touchdowns last year could have been seven or eight, in my opinion, based on just the tape watching him. Just he was flat out open all over the field. Um, Malik's the perfect Debbie riser. Athleticism, toughness, goes good against press coverage, got the size and the frame, um, everything that you like from just a receiver. And when you comped him, so I comped him to all LSU wide receivers in a video that I did when I was breaking down the class. And he's right up there, right under Justin Jefferson for receiving yards per team pass attempt. So he for at his sophomore year. Um, and then way to dominate a rating, he fits right in between Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So I like to comp those guys, like the LSU guys. Cause and again, I think when you when you I don't helmet scout, but these dudes produce. I mean, in Terrace Marshall season, I just saw it on Sleeper the other day. Like they they posted it. He's back. So we don't have to worry about that one. But I think that Malik checks all the boxes from like an athletic profile. Like I think the only thing that I knocked in his in his in his profile for me, route running. 
gets pushed off routes a little bit. And I think that's more of like, he's got to learn how to, how to, how to get off his routes and everything, but he's going to be that guy stepping in. He is the wide receiver one in this roster. Um, and he could get first round capital. Like that's the type of guy that the NFL is going to really like. Just please Malik, if you're listening to this pod, would you not be stupid off the field? You know, you already got a little bit of trouble this offseason. We don't need Kayshawn Boutte, like, you know, the, the the ghost of Boutte on us. Like, just be smart. I think that is also a concern a little bit, like him getting in a little bit of trouble. Um, and you don't want to see that. But from like a on the field standpoint, this dude's got it. He's got it. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. We talk sometimes about how the off the field, whatever you want to call it, affects mm-hmm. how we draft players and and it's unfortunate that it has to be part of it but you really uh, have to think about that because uh, it's definitely if nothing more it should be a tiebreaker for people but yeah Malik Neighbors coming off just an incredible year um, 72 catches of a thousand yards this next guy Troy Franklin another fantastic uh, prospect Uh, I love Troy Franklin as an Oregon Ducks fan but as an Oregon fan I also know that it's been 50 years since we've had a wide receiver drafted in the first round Uh, so I'm not holding my breath Uh, but Bo Nix is coming back, and as much as people love to to make fun of Bo Nix, his pass efficiency numbers were absolutely insane. Um, And Troy Franklin looks to have another great year. Uh, Oregon did bring in some other players, but to me, that's not really going to be a problem. This is one of the first times we've seen in a long time uh, this last season where Oregon actually kind of funneled targets to one player. Usually they spread the Mm -hmm. ball out a ton. I think it was um, Dylan, whatever. I, I forget his name um four years back that he ended up with the minnesota vikings anyway um troy franklin thoughts do you think he could creep in and break the curse of 50 years without a wide receiver in the first round i hope so man troy's my guy like he was out here in california so like i i've actually gotten to kind of know like a little bit about his because i wouldn't actually watch him in high school um he, I, I was so happy for him last year because he stepped up. Like, you know, his first year, he wasn't at wide receiver zero. You know, he had 209 yards, two touchdowns. So we're like, okay, he did something. And then for me, it was like, okay, is he going to be able to take that from Dante Thornton? Like, can he kind of take that? Is he going to be the dude? And he is because Thornton transferred. Obviously, you know, that didn't work out. Um, I think the thing with Franklin that I like the most about him is like, he's a deep, he's a true deep threat. Like he's got that deep threat route running. He improved his route running last year. Like you really saw like nuance in his game, ability to kind of create separation, keep guys on his hip, get in and out of breaks. Um, there was a he had a few great catches when they played. Uh, oh man, it's gonna. I think it was. It probably was the Washington game. He had a few on the sideline catches that were just like, oh, okay, Franklin's here. He's here to stay because he can. He can kind of do that. Um, yeah, I'm expecting big things from him. I think he can break out. Um, I, I think that the size is less of a concern for me because of his athleticism. Um, and I know he hit like 24 miles an hour on the speed metrics, something that they do out there. I don't know. Some analytics say Travis can talk to you guys about it, but like, yeah, I know he, hit, I know he hit the speed, the speed metrics there. I think he's got good hands too. Like he definitely improved those. The, the question is like, can he do enough to be round one? And I don't know yeah. if he's round one guy, but I think he can be a round two guy. And I think that would be, that's a good metric for him. Yeah, I totally agree. I think maybe a guy we'll talk about if if an Oregon wide receiver is going to break it, uh, it might be yeah. uh, this inco- yeah. this un- incoming guy they've got um, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, yeah, Troy Franklin, I would love to see it. Last guy in this tier, and then after this tier, we'll kind of hurry up a little bit. Uh, but Matthew Golden, um, maybe not a household name yet. Uh, talk to us a little bit about him. 
Yeah, we're gonna fight. You hate Matthew Gold. I looked at your rankings, and I'm like, man, <laughs> we are we, we are not on the same page here. Um, no, that's the that's the great thing about Debbie. Uh, for me, Matthew is my my consensus three in the class. So I'm a little high. I'm definitely a little higher than most. Um, you know what? He plays at Houston last year, 584 yards, seven touchdowns. He he's gonna play in a system now without Tank Dell, so he's gonna be the guy going to the Big 12 now. So now we don't have to worry about that g5 power five thing that we, everybody kind of i i don't know if the big 12 can be considered power five but we will we, we're gonna do <laughs> wow. that wow. in my argument Just now fired. well once oklahoma and texas leaves for sure but like you know yeah. we'll, you know we'll, we'll we'll go into that but i think matthew i'm a pac-12 guy man i'm not allowed i'm not allowed to make fun of anyone <laughs> yeah yeah i know i'm, I'm more of a pac-12 guy too because i live out here but um but yeah, so when you're looking at Golden, you know, six foot, 190, good frame, good size, got the yak and the speed. I thought that, you know, for me, he was a higher prospect on my list, even coming out of high school. Like, I thought he got kind of under-recruited where he went, but I think he went to a spot where he can definitely perform and have production there. Vertical threat, too. I think he hits those metrics for me. Um, like, there's not a ton that I don't like about him. I think he hit the touchdown markets here. He almost hit the 20% dominated rating last year with 18%. Um, gonna step up. He actually produced more than Luther Burden did. Like, if we're going to be honest, like with, with what their production style looked like. Uh, and to me, Golden can be like a neighbors, like somebody that kind of, he's kind of got that same frame, that build um, that, oh, wait, who's this kid? Oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he can get round two capital. Like, so for me in that, in that frame, that's where I have Golden. And that's just why I'm a little higher on him than most. Yeah, that, that works for me. Again, I, I'm just, we'll see. I, I, I'm probably going to be, one of us is probably, one of us is definitely going to be wrong. It, <laughs> it might be somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love being wrong when I'm down on someone. I love people just proving me wrong is uh-huh. a beautiful thing. We'll, we'll move a little bit quicker through these last few tiers. Uh, tier four, we've got uh, Barian first Brown, first round of Brown is what we call him on this show. Uh, <laughs> Travis is, uh, is, is banging the drum for that. And then we've got my boy, Jury on Dickey. Makai Lemon and Antonio Williams. Uh, I, I like Antonio Williams an awful lot. I'm excited to see what could possibly happen there. Mm-hmm. If if the offense can get going again, we talked a little bit about that earlier. Uh, maybe just kind of quickly run through this. Talk about your favorite player in this group and why it's Jurian Dickey. <laughs> hey, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I could say Dickie to me, he reminds me of Des Bryant. Like, that's my comp. Des Bryant is my comp for him. Like, and as a Cowboy fan, um, like Des to me with Dickie over the middle, yak ability. He was a man amongst boys out there in, in high school. Played both ways. So, you know what? For the old school guy like me, that gives me a check. You play both ways, baby. I'm moving you up yeah. in my rankings, no matter what. Um, and I think he does step in and can compete this year. I know he wasn't an early enrollee, so he's definitely got a little bit of, you know, ground to make up there. I know they like Kyle Casper. I know they like some guys in that room. But Dickie could definitely be that guy that steps up in there and i like him with novasad as well like if novasad takes over after next year if it's ty or novasad whoever it is i think they could have a good connection there so i think dicky to me definitely can be there i think he's my number three guy in the class for the 26 class um so he's high up there but yeah des if you like des i think you'll like dicky i think they they profile really well together yeah six foot three 210 he had a nine eight nine two four seven sports composite score there's not, I think it was number two wide receiver in the class, like in his, yeah. like according to 247 sports, which I mean, awesome. Yeah. After Bo Nix is gone, I don't know who's going to be. I, I'm a huge uh, Ty, Ty Simpson 
not Ty Simpson, Ty Thompson fan. I've, I've been disappointed that he didn't transfer actually. And it, yeah. it's just kind of stuck there. Um, I was actually super pissed when Bo Nix <laughs> transferred <laughs> over because I wanted Ty to take, to take the reins and he might never get his chance. But uh, Jurion Dickey, man, he, he, he could be, he could be really, really special. Um, and again, like you mentioned, Oregon has seen quite a few um, players transfer out. Uh, mm-hmm. They're, they're opportunity for him this year uh, with our new offensive coordinator. I say our with Oregon's new offensive <laughs> coordinator, they look to play a lot fewer uh, like two tight end sets. So I think we'll see more uh, sp- spreading the field out a little bit more with the wide receivers. And I, I think uh, that could be just fantastic for both Troy and Dickey. Um, let's go to your next tier here and talk about uh, we've got John Tay Cook. We've got Ted McMillan. Adam Randall and uh, Mario Williams, who you mentioned earlier, uh, Jonte Cook, of course, being uh, the, the youngster in this group, uh, kind of a fun place uh, to put him here because the sky really is the limit for for him. But there's a lot of competition for targets on that Longhorns team. Yeah, I have a. I did a reading the room for our YouTube series on the Texas wide receiver room, and I kind of broken down like based on who's in there. Yeah, it's it's stacked. Like that's that, that's the talent there. They've talked about Cook in the spring though, and Sarkeesian loves this kid. So like, there's a chance that he gets out there. I think that. Um, if, if anybody goes down, like if there's an injury or something like that, Cook's going to be the guy. Like, I, I think they've already kind of made that very clear. Um, but they've made it clear that they want to get him involved as much as they possibly can. This kid, you know, over time, he's really grown on me. He probably should be a little higher. He probably is a little higher now that I've done redone my rankings a little bit. But yak ability to do this guy, he's got it. Like in playmaking, speed, like he he marks all of those, like those those categories. As a senior in high school, in, t- in, the, in 6A ball, so we're talking about really, you know, competition level matters 86 catches 1500 yards 22 touchdowns that's what he did as a senior that's legit and so if he goes to texas and him and whether it's murphy next year with or manning or if it's this year with yours i think he can really transcend this offense and this is the type of kid you need to go play in the sec with moving forward with texas cook can do that now you're talking about playing against sec talent as well if he performs there he's going to be a top five guy in overall by by next year or maybe the year after Oh, that's exciting to hear because I've been a little lower on him just because I feel like a lot would need to break his way for him to see the field just because there's so much depth. And yeah. They've got players returning from injury that we were excited about last year and uh, no, not many receivers left their room and they added. So um, I like your confidence on him. It uh, definitely gives me a little bit more uh, excitement moving forward, uh, which I always like. Uh, let's move to uh, to tier six here. We've got Bo Collins, Hakeem Williams, Jordan Hudson and DJ Allen. Uh, talk me through these guys. Um, maybe just a couple sentences on each one. Yeah, this is my, I don't know what to do with them tier because I sure. like them, yeah, but like, I, 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 this is like my, they're good. They're talented, but I need them to do something. So for me, Bo, um, he's a high, he's a four-star kid out of California. He went to Clemson, has been in a bad offense for two years. And I think that when they've, they've talked about Bo, they've talked about him being that field stretcher 50-50 guy. But they didn't really give him opportunities. Like it was DJ, you throwing it up in double coverage and Oh, he dropped another one. It's like, that's not really Bo's fault. Like, so in Riley's offense, can he really step up? So Bo's one of those guys to watch because one of those dudes in that Clemson room is going to step up either Randall, Antonio or Bo. And who's it going to be? I think that's the, that's the question. Hakeem is going to need some time at Florida state with all the transfers there. I think that Hakeem is going to have to like develop a little bit in high school. He actually played quarterback and wide receiver because his team was so bad. 
bad that they needed him. So he's he's going to have some developing. But I do think next year could be the time for Williams. Hudson is a guy, Jordan Hudson, he's going from TCU to SMU. So you don't like necessarily love that, but he does have talent. So when you're talking about Jordan Hudson, um, I think that he could step up in that SMU room, be the wide receiver one, but then you're betting on that G5 stuff. And I think that's where the questionable goes in there. But the athleticism metrics definitely hit for Jordan Hudson. And then DJ Allen was a highly touted recruit going into last year. He's at TCU. And while they did add JoJo Earl, I think losing Hudson and then obviously Quentin Johnson and some of those other, the senior receivers they had, Darius Davis, DJ Allen's a setup for prime TCU, like, hey, going to get targets and production. So, like, those are the four guys, like, with Allen being there, production really matters. So, can these guys hit that production metric? I think that's what you're looking for with this tier. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big one. And I think it's important to to bring that up when you, especially like you talk about some of these G5 players, because it's a lot harder for them to get that draft capital, yeah. um, historically speaking. Um, and there's, of course, always outliers. And so it's important to keep your eye on that. Um, there's a couple names in here that uh, in this next tier in tier seven that I, I really like. We've got Ja'Cory Brooks, who I had all the way in my top 10. <laughs> um, and then we've got Jalen McMillan, J. Michael Sturdivant, who I don't think anyone outside of Pac-12 lovers appreciate <laughs> uh, who he is and what he can do. But uh, he was the offense at Cal last year and now going over to UCLA where he should have a lot of opportunity with um, the trader Dante Moore at quarterback. And then uh, Dante Thornton, speaking of traders, also leaving Oregon. So we, there's a there's a bit of a theme, a bit of a theme here. But let's let's talk through uh, let's talk through some of these guys. Who do you like here? Yeah, I think Jacory just burned me too bad last year. I, I Jacory yeah. let me down last year. This is probably a little lower for him. I, he, he has an opportunity. Brooks has an opportunity to still be Alabama's wide receiver one this year. So like, if he does step up and and he does that, then yeah, he'll he'll definitely improve the value. I will still stand on the, that Jalen McMillan is the best Washington wide receiver on the roster. So I'm going to stand behind my take there. Please don't send that to Roman Dunze's dad. He's on Twitter <laughs> everywhere and he yells at people. But like, I really like Jalen. I think he's versatile. I think he could play inside out i do think that he can be that slot guy he gets targets he has speed um and then of course i got to throw my guy j michael sturdivant in there if you guys don't know who this kid is highly highly athletic kid from texas 6a ball he came to cow he went to cow for some reason yeah, so yeah he had so a weird, weird freshman year he wasn't like he didn't necessarily redshirt he did they got him on the field a couple times, but like, I don't know what was going on. That, that probably was some, maybe some stuff in the program. Then last year he stepped up. He looked really good. And I think the situation for him going to UCLA is really good because they need a wide receiver. One UCLA has not had a wide receiver like this either. And if Dante Moore does start, which he should start, if Garbers is out there starting, then Kelly, you need to fire yourself. Cause like Dante Moore is ready <laughs> to go. Um, Jay Michael could really be that guy that we talk about in this class, having that big rise. Um, and then I'm on the Dante Thornton train. I, I don't know what happened at Oregon. Not sure, but you just saw two Tennessee wide receivers get drafted in day two. And if Dante Thornton can come up and step up, they've talked about him in the spring being versatile. They like his ability to go inside and out, even at that big frame that he's at. Um, I think he's around 6'3", 6'4", in that area. Uh, I like Dante. I think that he's a sleeper. Like I know like a lot of people in Tennessee, they like Squirrel Williams. They like, you know, um, oh, why, why am I forgetting the other dude? Brew McCoy. He's been in college for seven years. Uh, so Dante Thornton, I think, could be that guy in that room that steps up and gets that production. 
Yeah, I like that. And I like that we got to talk about Brew McCoy because <laughs> I love Brew. I had him, I've had him on rosters for years, seven years. For a long time. Said. Yeah, for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You brew, and, brew, you guys have like basically married. Like you guys are married now yeah, together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a I'm a brew truther. It's gonna happen. Just you wait. I was wondering if you were a little bit uh lower on Brooks because of the Alabama quarterback situation. Um, does that play into it as well, or is it more just you haven't seen it yet, and there's a yeah, lot I mean, of competition in that room. I think a little bit. I think I think the thing I just keep going back with Jacory. They needed a wide receiver one to step up last year with Bryce Young, and he didn't do it. And they had to use Gibbs. They had to use Gibbs as almost their primary wide receiver last year at right. times. And Jacory was healthy. Like there was nothing like necessarily wrong with him. So every time I think about Jacory, I'm like. Yeah, he has talent, but why didn't he step up last year in an offense that could have? Now, and and I like Bill O'Brien. I think Tommy Reese will be interesting because I think Tommy Reese is going to come in, and I think it's going to be a, a very heavy run scheme, two-back scheme. That's why I think Haynes can get on the field a little bit more. Um, but when you're looking at like the wide receivers in his offense, you haven't really seen that huge production. That, that could be talent-wise, obviously. Um, but now he's got some competition coming in there. Hale's good. Uh, Malik Benson. Like You guys got guys now. Uh, Kobe Prentice is another one I like. I really like Kobe Prentice out there. So, like, I think for me, it's like, hey, didn't step up last year. Increased competition. Who the heck's throwing in the ball? If it's Milrow, I'm even more concerned. New offensive coordinator that has a run-heavy system. So all those things kind of come into play for me with you, Corey. Yeah, no, that that's very fair. Uh, Prentice makes my uh, – he's my number 20. Another guy that I have on here is uh, is Walker, just transferred over to – the Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Drake May fan, so that's not going to surprise people. But uh, where does, does Walker? Is he like an honorable mention for you, or are you just kind of down on him because of maybe draft capital concerns? Because I imagine you would would project him to have decent capital. I mean, not decent capital, de- decent numbers this year from statistics. I have kind of a rule as I, I don't I don't like G five to power five guys. So okay. that's that's essentially where I'm at with with those guys because I just don't feel like they pan out. The G five to power five guys um in Debbie. Now for a CFF play, yeah, I think he's gonna have some production there. Um, but to me, like I have to wait and see it. And if I it, it, those that's the type of kid like if I miss, I'm okay. Like, cause I do think the hit rates are 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 so low on that. Like if I miss on that, I'd rather take maybe a guy with a better shot in terms of like draft capital, what I think. So for me, it's just a, you know how we all have those little weird, like, you know, tendencies in Debbie. For me, it's the, it's the power, the G five to power five transfer and wide receiver. I try to stay away from. Yeah. Mine is often related to someone's last name. If they have a brother or a dad in the NFL, I give them a boost (laughs) because I I think that's just how the NFL works. They're like, Oh, his brother's here. Yeah, let's let's bring him too. So, uh, one name that we uh, that we have on that, that's on my list. We kind of discussed him a little bit and his father, um, Rome Adunz, Adunze. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him? Is, is you said he's not your favorite in the in the room there, but uh, he's not in your top twenty five. So, kind of where do you have him, and uh, why are you a little bit lower on him than some? I was just looking at it because I, I knew you're probably going to ask me this. He's at 26 for me, so he's right oh, okay. there. Like he's, he's right there, he, right there. He he's there. I like him. Um, I think that he played really well last year in that offense and that system. Um, I think a couple things broke right for Washington last year. Um, the offensive line was really good. They only gave up four sacks, so Michael Penix Jr. was able to kind of just sling it back there. Like he he didn't have that area. Um, 
I, I think that he's really fluid as a pass catcher. I don't necessarily know what his athleticism metric is going to look like. What's his speed at? Um, how did, you know, when you're looking at that, like to me, he's a, he's a day two guy. I don't see the day, the round one. I could be wrong though. Like Rome might make, prove me wrong there. I don't think he's as versatile as Jalen is like in that system and in that offense where he can kind of play both there. I think, I think Rome is a good X and he's going to kind of line up there. Yeah. I know we play, I know he played in slot in high school, but, um, I think he's an X. He, he could be a starter though. Like I think that he has some upside there. I would lean more day two, day three though for him. And that's why being an older prospect, if he would have came out this year, I'd probably be a little higher on him. Um, but being that older prospect where he's at, he's really got to hit some of those, those, those barriers now because he's coming, he came back to school. Um, and that's why I have him a little lower. Yeah. I like Rome. Um, if you are hoping to have some wide receiver production, um, next year, like in the NFL, yeah. he's someone that I like to kind of go after because you can still kind of trade for him fairly cheap. Um, I've been kind of maybe getting one of the receivers um, that I like a little bit more and, um, you know, trading them uh, for Rome and like a pick or for, you know, another mm -hmm. Debbie player as well. So kind of like trying to get him, uh, acquire him for, you know, because he he will be in the NFL next year. I, I, yeah. I'm certain of that. And, you know, I, I see these NFL draft guys, um, putting him in the first round. And that just made me uh, re-examine him. Any mm -hmm. other players, any other wide receivers that you want to talk about that aren't on your list, but you just absolutely love and you could see them uh, climbing up and maybe maybe getting there soon? Yeah, yeah, um, not on my list. Let me let me think off the top of my head. Uh, I do like the one guy that's on my list that we didn't necessarily talk about. Makai Lemon is a guy that I like. He's going to USC. Um, he kind of did the the dual thing where he played little defensive back as well. Um, he's been injured in the spring, so he didn't get very much love out there. Um, so that's a guy there. Uh, some other like some deeper cut guys like Eugene Wilson at Florida could be a guy. He's a slot guy, true freshman. Um, he could definitely Florida needs talent. Um, they, they definitely need talent out there. So that's the guy to look at. And then I, you know, for me, the last guy to like, I, cause I cannot quit him. It's like that one, like meme. I can't quit you, man. It's a uh, Caden Prather, West Virginia wide receiver went to Maryland. So I like Caden Prather. He's one of those guys. It's like just a, He's just that guy to me that really steps up and, and he could be that wide receiver one or two in that Maryland room uh, with Talia uh, Tagalivoa, basically a fifth year kid there. So Caden Prather, I feel like is a name that people should just know about. I, I don't know. No, he's got to produce, um, but he he's definitely in a better offense this year for him. West Virginia had a terrible offense the last couple of years. So Caden Prather is uh, just a name to watch. I, I like that too. And we we've seen, I mean, they had two, I don't know if they both got drafted, but um Rakeem Jarrett did not get drafted. I only Jared. know that. So, I only know that because I had a bet with Rakeem Jarrett getting drafted and I lost it. So thank yeah. you, Rakeem. I, I still believe in yeah. you and you let me down, damn it. But he is in the NFL. I think he is on a he roster is. right now. Yes. Uh, yes. But but yeah, so so there are a lot of vacated targets. And really no one stepped up at, at Maryland last year and kind of uh demanded to be an alpha. So maybe he can get in there and uh and get those those targets that we that we need to see. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. It was really good just sitting here and, and talking through some wide receivers and just getting your take on Debbie in general. Um, again, you can find Kevin um, on Twitter at Du Bois underscore 22. Is that like an Emmett Smith reference right there? It is. It's uh, my grandpa was a huge Emmett Smith fan, a cowboy fan, and he passed away. So when I first started my Twitter, it was like an homage to him. I never had any like like yeah. inspiring, like I'm going to find followers or whatever. And it turned into something, but now I'm never changing it because it's my grandpa and I, I got to stick with him here.
Yeah, that that is awesome. I, I love that. Um, you can find uh, some of his stuff over at uh, the Debbie Royale. Go and subscribe to that. Um, join their Patreon. As Kevin mentioned, there is just so much there for you. If you're listening to this podcast, you will love uh, the content that they have. Uh, so Kevin, thank you so much. Um, it's good chatting with you. We'll have to do this again sometime in the future. Um, yeah, this has been been a lot of fun, and uh, I just can't wait for for college football to be here. We're so close, and then the NFL shortly thereafter. <laughs> yep, yep. Appreciate you guys for having me. All right, guys. Uh, remember hit that subscribe button, and um, we will talk to you all next week. I uh, 